there was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee it is to get us back to that point. All right? That's what she said. Hey, Mom! The meatloaf! We want it now! Jawan Jennings! Jawan Jennings! What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio on a very, very chilly Tuesday morning in Knoxville, Tennessee. A very, very early time here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Technically very early. It's just after midnight Eastern time when this is getting recorded. The intro part of this anyway. Hopefully it'll be getting out to y'all by about 6 a.m. or so. That's assuming I hit all the buttons correctly and do everything I'm supposed to do on that front, which as we all know, that's just not, just not a guarantee. Not a guarantee in any way, shape, or form. But we're excited about this podcast, guys. I'm going to get to this podcast pretty quickly or get into this interview uh, pretty quickly for three reasons. First off, uh, no one wants to hear my voice. I don't like hearing my own voice right now in my headphones from Fort Rucker Studio in these headphones from this microphone. I do not like the sound of my own voice, so I cannot imagine what it's like for y'all. Secondly, uh, this is a good interview, and this is one that we're going to get to pretty quickly for that reason. This is a, an interview that, that we did last week, and uh, we're pretty excited about it, so hopefully we'll get that to you uh, here in just a second. Uh, and the third reason for that is that this is uh, going to be a long week, guys. Not complaining. Not complaining. I know what you're thinking. Rook, you're just complaining about your job. No, no, no. I love this job. You'd have to take this job out of my cold, dead hands, Charlton Heston style. I'm sitting here holding this microphone over my head saying you'll have to take this from my cold, dead hands. But uh, just like any other job out there, there are some weeks that are longer than others, and this is going to be a, a fun week, but a, but a long week with that stuff because Tuesday morning, I guess this morning or uh, sometime today after... Uh, Y'all have listened to this podcast. Grant Ramey and I will be headed up to the frozen blue tundra of Lexington, Kentucky, as the Tennessee-ranked Tennessee Volunteers, 15th-ranked Tennessee basketball volunteers, I should say, play their good friends to the north, their good old southern Appalachian rivals, longtime border battle, Kentucky Wildcats. That's going to be a fun game, as always. We'll see if Tennessee gets its first win up there since, I think, what, 1742, just a guess. Something like that. Been a while. But Tennessee's only uh, only about a 1.5-point underdog in that game, which is very, very, very low for Tennessee playing up there. And a lot of people think Tennessee might win that game. So we will see. Uh, but that's going to be Tuesday. Obviously, everyone knows what Wednesday is. It's, it's National Signing Day. And I know what a lot of y'all are thinking. The luster, a little bit of it's off of National Signing Day because there's now that early signing period and all that stuff. And that, that's a fair point. There's a lot of these signing classes that have uh, already been decided to this point. They've already they've already gone ahead and signed. Now that's not the case uh, necessarily for Tennessee. Tennessee's got Tennessee's got 
uh, quite a bit of, uh, of room after that early signing period with first-year coach Jeremy Pruitt. So we'll see uh, what they're able to do there. But that's going to be Wednesday night and then Wednesday – or Wednesday and then Wednesday night there will be the recruiting celebration downtown Knoxville as always. And Go Boss 24-7 will be there for that. And then we're going to get up on Thursday morning, pack into a car again, and we will be heading over to Nashville because uh, I'm sure you all know Tennessee – the day after signing day, uh, the morning after it flies to Memphis to give a talk and talk about the class and all that stuff. And then it'll be going over to Nashville uh, around lunchtime and then coming back to Knoxville. And, and we'll be there to cover the Nashville uh, part of that. Shout out to the Go Boss 24-7 or 24-7 Sports Home Office in Brentwood. Maybe we'll see y'all while we're over there. But uh, that's going to be Thursday. And then Saturday, Ramey and I get back in a car Uh, And we head down to the other favorite location in the SEC for Tennessee fans, and that's Tuscaloosa, Alabama, as the 15th-ranked Vols will take on Colin Sexton and uh, the talented, talented Alabama Crimson Tide, a a good young team there with Avery Johnson uh, leading the way. That's uh, a couple really good NBA prospects on that team, and that team's been playing good basketball lately. So that's going to be a tough game for Tennessee. But that uh, is is our week this week, so quite a a bit to do. And this week's actually starting off on a – uh, on a bit of a uh, bit of a rough note, uh, personally, uh, my uh, beloved Aunt Pat, we had her receiving a friends on Monday night. Uh, she passed away last week, and uh, her funeral will be Tuesday morning, so pretty much be going to the funeral uh, and then getting in the car and heading up to uh, Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, I'll, I'll be really quick on this, but uh, my Aunt Pat, quick story about her. Uh, my dad, who is my hero, by the way, Dale Rawhide Rucker, my hero, love him. He is all the manly things that I am not in this world. Uh, he was the ninth of, of ten children in a kind of a classic, uh, you know, kind of hard scrabble Southern Appalachian family, and both his parents passed away by the time he was, I believe, 13 years old. So being the ninth of ten, his, his older siblings helped raise him, and my Aunt Pat was one of those older siblings who helped raise him, and uh, she helped uh, raise the guy who ended up being my hero and the guy who... Uh, despite not being born with a whole lot, sent his kids to private schools and has made something of himself in this world, and, and my Aunt Pat helped that process. So uh, she was great there, and then I was the first child that my parents had, and uh, my Aunt Pat, you know, in, anyone who's ever uh, had a child, and I have not, but I've heard a lot of people say this, that the first child, it kind of takes a village to raise that one. Both my parents were kind of young professionals working all the time, and so uh, aunts and grandmothers and everybody, you know, kind of took turns babysitting me and watching me from time to time. My Aunt Pat spent a lot of time uh, with us and spent a lot of time babysitting me. So a uh, very, very lovely woman. Uh, we're going to miss her dearly, but she's in a better place now. And she's probably in a place where you can get access to much better podcasts than the GoVoss 24-7 podcast. So I'd like to say that she's listening to this, but I think we all know that she's probably got better things to do up where she is. So uh, shout out to you, Aunt Pat. Hope uh, ho- hope I'll see you down the road. But uh, let's get on with the show. And this is an interview that uh, I conducted last week with Tennessee Athletic Director Philip Former. Sounds kind of funny to say that, doesn't it? Tennessee Athletic Director Philip Former. It's going to take some time to get to get used to that. But obviously, Former, the legendary uh, Hall of Fame Vols football coach, a guy who I covered uh, when I started in this business as a bit of a snot no 17 year old and uh, Philip former was uh, good good to me then and he's he's good to me now he's always got time to to sit down and talk about things and he's been a busy guy uh, obviously he had to, one of the first things he had to do when he became athletic director was uh, fill the vacant seat there uh, atop the Tennessee football program his former job and 
Uh, he went out and, and pegged Jeremy Pruitt, the Alabama defensive coordinator, to do that. And I sat down with Philip Fulmer, and I talked to him a lot about Jeremy Pruitt, why Jeremy Pruitt was the right decision at the right time for this program, uh, a guy who'd never been a head coach, uh, but a guy who has a, just a great track record as an assistant. And I sat down with Philip Fulmer and talked to him about that, talked to him about being an athletic director, why he wanted to get back into the business and, and why this was the right time to do that. This is obviously a guy who financially has just about everything you could possibly uh, need at this stage in your life. Uh, he, he's got great, uh, he's got a great family, uh, his, he and his wife, I've uh, been together for a long time, and they've got uh, beautiful children, beautiful grandchildren. I think he just had his seventh uh, grandchild who got a, access to this interview before I did because uh, he and his mother wandered into the office, and I, I got a pretty good scouting report on that 10-month-old. He's a very, very fast crawler. If you're talking like, uh, you know, the, the sort of the, the, the Marine guys at boot camp when they're going underneath the barbed wire and crawling really fast, that's what uh, Philip Fulmer's son, uh, grandson was out there doing. So Philip Fulmer, why did he get back into this at this time? Why was this the right time in his, uh, in his life to do that? that? We talked about that. We talked about the Pruitt, uh, basically the decision to go with Pruitt, uh, the interview process that, that ended with Pruitt. Uh, we spoke about Rick Barnes and his Tennessee basketball team, and 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 if Rick Barnes is a guy who's going to need a contract extension sooner rather than later, uh, because Philip Fulmer through Mac Brown has a has a very good uh, sort of mutual friend with Rick Barnes, someone they're they're both very close to. So we spoke about that. Uh, spoke about what Philip Fulmer thinks about certain things in in terms of the the SEC and and NCAA football landscape. How does he feel about maybe adding a ninth game to the SEC schedule? Uh, how does he feel about uh, the four-team playoff, does he like the college football playoff being where it is with, with four teams? How, how does the SEC now compare to the SEC when he was a, a coach back in the day? So uh, we talked a lot about that, talked a lot about uh, the size of staffs these days because football staffs these days are huge. Uh, they've got coordinators, uh, assistants to the coordinators of the coordinator for the coordinator of the coordinator uh, to the head coach. So uh, – Basically, they're just moving armadas. And is Philip Fulmer okay with, with the way things have gone in that direction? Uh, certainly, he's hiring someone who comes from, from that Saban system, and that, that model works. So uh, we spoke about that. Uh, lots of good things. I probably spent about 40 minutes or so with, uh, with Philip Fulmer. Uh, I think about 25 minutes or so of that was on the record. And uh, before I start just, just going on and going on, guys, I'm going to cut it off here, and I'm going to tell you that here – is uh, the interview last week between myself and Tennessee Athletic Director Philip Fulmer. I guess, you know, Philip, it's been, you know, I'm trying to think of how many years. It's, it's been a few years since you, you know, kind of got out of the, the business the first time. And, and since then, you know, you, you've had you know, all these grandchildren. You've got, uh, you know, probably financially in good shape. You've got a wife. You've got all these, you know, beautiful kids and grandkids. And, you know, kind of got the life that everybody thinks of when they think of the getting to, to that age and yet you're jumping right back into it so I'm wondering what how tough of a decision was that and, and, and <laughs> did, you, did you did you really have to think about it not no no I didn't have to think about it very long I mean I I'd been through the through the process of you know potentially looking at the athletic director thing you know b before um you know I actually thought about it even while I was coaching you know is that something that I eventually wanted wanted to do so it was you know, I had such a great experience in the president's office with Dr. DiPietro and, you know, and, and really helped me, you know, understand the bigger picture of, of, of the campus and, and, the, and the, 
and the system and, and all those kinds of things. And so it's not like I lost any. I lost a couple of years, few years there, but I didn't lose any passion, you know, for my school. When you, I guess, took over, you, you had been back in that advisory role, so you had sort of jumped back into it a little bit. Did that help you kind of assess the terrain when you when no, you I took the No, I was here all the time, so I knew pretty much what so the terrain So that had never really strayed no, too far away. No, it's, it, that, I mean, that maybe gave me a little more insight, you know, sure. in, in, in some ways, but it also allowed me, I was out doing different things with the presidents, you know, around the state and just how mm -hmm. frustrated people had become about some things here. So, uh, you know, that's that's the biggest reason, I think, that, uh, you know, you, you kind of step back in it because you, you think you can add stability to, to what we're doing. And, and uh, you know, so far so good, I think we've, we've at least got a good start on that. You know, I had an old, you know, coach, the baseball coach that, you know, used to tell us at the beginning of the season that, you know, how do you eat an elephant kind of one bite at a time. And, and that's when, when you look at sort of the big picture and, and how, I guess, it, important obviously but just how diverse this role is and, and how many different things you have to do at different times how do you assess a list of priorities to start tackling all that everything that this entails? well just you, you just kind of said it you know you, you you establish what is most important right now fortunately they're good people here you know the, the ins, inside the program uh, uh, it wasn't like we were just broken administratively uh, so you know they were kind of making holding things together and everything now you know my first five weeks probably were spent with football you know trying to get a coach you know help him get his staff together and and uh, build that foundation for recruiting and all those kinds of things and you know now I've turned my attention more uh, I've been to you know I've been to Basketball practice, the lady balls practice, the baseball practice. The other day, I watched the soccer team, you know, quite often here. So this uniqueness of this facility allows me, in the proximity, allows me to you know be around a lot of a lot of people. So I think I'm getting a feel for all the other sports. I know about the academic support system. I know about you know development here. You know, raising money for things that need to be raised for. So I haven't felt uncomfortable. You know, in, in anything that that's that's come up so far, in in terms of obviously the football is where you spent a lot of the time early on for for obvious reasons. And but what have been your impressions of Jeremy Pruitt so far? It seems to me like, from an organizational standpoint, he's he's sort of for a guy who's never been a head coach before, he seemed to kind of attack this thing with a plan. Like oh, he has a plan. <laughs> he has a plan. He's been around really good coaches at really good places. You know, he knows what it's supposed to look like. He's you know he. He kind of followed up with his commitment to me as to who he thought he could bring with him. Well, that's who showed up, you know, uh, that we could turn recruiting in some – we tripled our recruiting board in like two days, you know, with that staff here. Not people that – not with people that were looking at us – or excuse me, that we were looking at, but, but people that were looking at us. And uh, that made a big difference. And unfortunately, we had to – we had the early signing day. If we had, you know, that, I'd like for to add another couple of weeks on that, or it could have been really good. But we got recruiting turned and quickly, and, and hopefully we can finish very strong here. And that's that's the foundation of winning, is having the good players here. In, in terms of that staff, obviously, you know, knowing some of those names, I've, I've 
known some of those coaches before, and yeah. and some of them are, are, are up and comers. Some of them are, are established veterans in this league, and uh, none of them. I don't think we've seen the figures, but I imagine none of them came too cheaply. And so I'm, I guess I'm wondering how much when you and Jeremy Pruitt were having your conversations about what you wanted this program to be and, and how much financial commitment it would take. Was that something that, that, that you were receptive to or, or something that you just kind of knew what it would have to be? No, it's, I mean, I certainly made sure that all the, the decision makers, the chancellor was very supportive of, of us, uh, uh, you know, uh, finding the best, you know, to play against the best in, in this conference. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, we, we've done that. You know, we've, we've put ourselves in a position where we've got people in here that know, know what it's looked like, supposed to look like. We've been there before. All, and, and uh, you know, it's kind of what you say called market value, I guess, sure. guys out there in the, in, the, in the world. And we got a nice mix of youthfulness and, uh, and, and experience on, on the staff. Key word there is experience. A lot of good experiences. I know that I, I've I've only met Pruitt maybe once or twice, but I know some some people who he's worked with and some others. And uh, as soon as he had gotten through with that interview process with y'all the first time, I guess the first talk, uh, it's kind of funny. He, he felt like he had, didn't have much of a shot at it. Uh, uh, were you a tough interviewer? I guess when you when you get in there with those guys, are you how being a guy who's been a coach before and obviously won a ton of games, I imagine you, you know how to poke Well, having been a coach myself, I probably, you know, had a good idea, you know, I mean, good idea of questions to ask, you know, that, that are crucial to it. And I, I hope I was tough. You know, I'm, I, I certainly went in there with the mindset that Google would try to find the right <laughs> answers. Uh, you know, the, the fluff and those kinds of things that are, that are out there that some people – think are important is really not that important. You've got to be able to have the nuts and the bolts, you know, as, as a coach to, to win in this league. And, um, you know, Jeremy uh, was, was organized, was a great communicator, reflected that he cared about the players, you know, reflected, you know, the trust and the relationship, you know, that we were going to grow over a period of time. He reflected that in the interviews. And not to say they're best, and we interviewed a lot of good candidates uh, there. And, um, you know, I feel like we got the best from the bunch. I guess uh, to the most that you can say, obviously, a lot of that's privileged information. But when you're going through that process of, of talking to coaches, what are the things that are the most important? Was it that nuts and bolts stuff you were talking about? Or, yeah. or how, how is that, how, I guess, how is that conveyed in, a, in that sort of a setting? I know a lot of people have been I mean, asking that's, that. I mean, there were, there were, you know, four-hour conversations. Sure. I couldn't even begin to sit sure. here and tell you, you know, a third of the things that we, that, you know, that we talked about, you know, but it gets, it gets back to staff and recruiting and, and you know, how, you, how, how are you going to build your organization? What does it look like? Uh, you know, and what, what's, what's it going to look like when things are really tough? You know, what do you expect from me? This is what I expect from you. And, you know, having those frank, honest conversations. And, um, I just thought it did real well. And he eased up on the edge of his chair, and when we talk about recruiting and we talk about coaching, you know, and you know, and started a little nervous twitch, you know, with his leg, and he, you know, he was into it. And not to say that the other guys weren't into it; they were into it too. But but this was a, you know, an exceptional. You know, he he, he relayed his passion very well. I guess say it that way. I guess I've heard people describe him as almost kind of a. Um, 
maybe a definitely a substance over style guy, kind of an old school football coach, in which you don't always see in this era. You know, it's with, with all the presentation of things, and you know, it just seems like it's a different era with, with some coaches. But with him, it just seems like he could have coached in just about any era yeah. of the game. It'd be like your sixth grade coach that you loved, you know, back in the sixth grade, but you feared him. You know, you didn't want to disappoint him. You know. Sixth grade, it could have been eighth grade, it could have been high school, but yeah, that's that. I mean, that, and that's the way he presented himself to the to the players. I mean, they want to be told, this is how it is, this is the way it's going to be. If you don't follow the rules, this is the way. It, this is what's going to happen. So, and I mean, I felt like that's what we did. I think that's what the great programs in the country do. You know, they're disciplined, they're tough. You know, they can run the football, they can play defense. You know, they they recruit to their system. You know, we, we right now we will you know we'll eventually get to what we want to look like in three or four years. But it's like he, I ask him a question and he says, "Well, I've coached high school before. You know, sometimes your defensive tackle is 130 pounds. You got to figure out how to win with a 130 pound defensive tackle." So I like that. You know, because it's not about style; it's about winning. And that's what we're going to try to do here. We're going to try to get back to where we were. I laughed when he said that because I don't know how many times Hoover High School's ever had 130 pounds. Well, you know, he was so at he's other high school. Sure, yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. In other, when you, I guess, look at the the overall sort of state of the the department when you walked into it, how would you describe sort of that the situation, the overall health of the department when you stepped? Into I don't things? think we were unhealthy at all. As I mentioned earlier, we have good people here. Um, you know. Perhaps we need a little organization and more and a little direction and everything, but they're good people here. And there's people from my time here, you know, that I know very well. There's people from Dave Hart's time here that was that he, you know that he hired and brought in. Good people, very professional. And there's some that, that uh, John Curry brought in, you know, that that are here and they're very good and very professional. So I think it's just a matter of us becoming a good team, you know, together. What, how much had you had any relationship or any history with Rick Barnes before he came here? Had you had your paths crossed with him? And what have your you know sort of been your Mac Brown and I are best friends, and my, you know we had talked about him, and he you know he, when he came here, he told me what a great coach we were getting and a great person he was, and and uh, that's true, <laughs> you know, very true. And, and I guess the the performance of the team hasn't hurt either, has it? The way no, the way that they've sort no, of no, and the way they play. They play really hard on defense and different guys on different games. You know, they're the leading scorer and everything. They've got an inside game. They've got an outside game. They can run. You know, they can pull it out and take care of the ball if they need to. So, yeah, pretty fun to watch. You know, I know that, that, that you know, obviously you said before that, that dealing with all the different sports creates, you know, it, it's sort of the same because it's ball and you know coaches and everything, but – I guess it's different because you spent so much of your life dedicated to football, and I guess I'm wondering now what what's the process moving forward with Rick Barnes? Have you tried to, you know, look into extending that contract or moving forward or, or how? Well, you know, he's, he's I heard him on the radio last night, and I guess ball called or whatever. You know, he's talking about what it's going to take to finish this season. You know, he doesn't want to talk about that right now and and all that sort of thing. So I'm not either. I'm I'm focused on him. With him, whatever he needs, I'll I'll be there to support him. In terms of the stuff with, 
I know I heard your interview with, with Jason Swain not long ago, and you talked about some of the non-conference games and, and sort of the neutral side games and all of that. I know you said that, that you weren't necessarily the biggest fan of them, but does that mean you, you would rather not play in here, or do you always do you have to kind of wager and see it? What yeah, I think it is. I think you wait, you wait and see, and, and it does, how does it help you recruit? How does it, you know, I mean, it's, that's, again, uh, a good, honest conversation with, uh, you know, with, uh, with coaches. In terms of, and I know a lot of people have mentioned the, the Bristol thing. Has there been any talk of looking into that again because I know that was such a such an ordeal but it ended up being such a positive experience. Yeah, I know those guys pretty well. They haven't brought it up to me, but uh, you know, I, I would have loved to have been a part of it. We talked about it for 20 years around here, sure. you know, so uh, it, was a, it was a spectacle. In terms of the, the, the overall, I guess with the, just the, the way that things are different maybe in this league than they were, how much when you look back on when you were a coach here, how, is, the, is the league still about the same, do you think? Has it changed a lot? Obviously, there's a couple more teams than, than, there were, than we're in it then, but, but do things feel any fundamentally more challenging or, or more difficult, or they, does it feel kind of like the old SEC still? It's still a lot like the SEC that I left. You know, it's physical. If you want to win, you better be physical in the line of scrimmage. Uh, you're talking about football, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. You're talking about all sports, but football in the line of scrimmage. You know, it's... That part hasn't changed, you know. The speed of the game, the offenses are running now are much different, much mm-hmm. better. We we were an old huddle team a lot, but we weren't going nearly as fast, you know, as they as they go now. But I think defenses are adjusting to that, you know, here in, in the conference. So. But you still going fast or not, you gotta you gotta win the line of scrimmage. And then you've gotta if once you do that you've gotta have guys that can make a play. In terms of adding another league game to the schedule, I know the, the Pac-12 and some others have done that. And have you? What's been I your think thought our process schedule on that? Is plenty tough enough. This league is. I love playing one, um, you know, big game. You know, with Oklahoma, you know, the, every year. I think adding another one. I, I haven't talked to Jeremy about that. I'd be I'd look forward to doing that, but. I'm not sure I'd want to take on another SEC team. I guess I, I, I'm just old enough to remember, you know, every time the league added another game to the schedule, there was always some resistance to it. And I guess from a coach's standpoint, yeah, that makes yeah, all the sense in the yeah, world. Yeah, I mean, I, I, when we went to divisional play, I was one of the guys that thought, oh, God, we'll never win a national championship again, you know, because we're going to beat each other up. Well, as it turned out, we were the benefactor of the divisional play and won a national championship because we had it. And then the next year, or maybe it was the year, once we got knocked out and once we, because of it, but once we won the national championship. So for the conference, that's turned out to be a, a, just a windfall, you know, uh, the conference championship game and the divisional play, although I, I didn't think it would be. In, in terms of that, too, with, this, with the current playoff format being the way it is, because I know in the past you had talked about the plus one format and other things, and going back to the things that you were a proponent of. Do you like it at four? Would you like to see it a, a little larger? Where, where do you stand on that? I like it at four. I think this boy. I think this is one of the greatest years of all. You know, this year not just because there's two SEC teams, but because it got down to it was obvious. You know that they want who won the game. They should have been playing each other. So uh, I 
like, I like where we are. So I guess there's that school of thought that if it were four, they'd be arguing about who was the fifth team. If there were eight, you'd argue about who was the ninth. Right. Same with basketball. Right. So, I mean, there's almost really no way to avoid that controversy, I, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in terms of... But, you know, those are big picture things that are out beyond us. My focus sure. right now is right here. And all these invites to do public things, and you know, we want to help out, be a good community member, and all those kind of things. But right now, our focus has to be laser focused on, on what we're doing here, you know, in this building uh, and, and, and recruiting. You know, so I'm not trying to avoid sure. your question, no. but but I'll go to the meetings and I'll be around, and I'll, I'll I certainly hope that I can have input as, as a former coach. I think I actually have an advantage on a lot of these athletic sure. directors because I've been in the trenches and actually have, have done it, you know. And uh, so uh, Ray Tanner and I actually talked about that. There's three coaches now, I think, in, in, the, in the conference uh, that are actually now athletic directors. So um, I hope we can be of some influence, but I, but I don't want to get too far away from what we have to do here. Was your relationship with with Coach Dickey, was that a part of making you think it could it could work like that, that you could have a, a former coach being the athletic director and oh. it would be a good thing and not a bad thing? No, it's a great thing. It's an absolute great thing. I mean, here I had a guy that turned Tennessee football into what, modernly, into what it is. I mean, obviously, General Needham is the founder of, of everything, but Coach Dickey took this at a very tough time, you know, and, and I had the benefit of being part of the, of the end of it, you know, right before he left and went back to Florida. But, uh, you know, I've, I've seen him as a coach. I saw him as a player. I know I know him as a person. And he didn't mind walking down the hall and saying, just think about this, you know. I didn't always have to agree with him, but it was great that he was there and you know, throwing it <laughs> on the wall, you know, and seeing what stuck and, and gave me great advice. And I hope I can be that kind of help to Jim. But when you talked about being a – you know, the laser focus on recruiting, which it's the lifeblood of the program, makes all the sense in the world. And you spoke earlier about all the interest that kids had started having in Tennessee, maybe some that hadn't been that interested before. And I guess I'm wondering, did that, did that come as a surprise to you, a pleasant surprise, or knowing Jeremy's background, were you pretty excited no, about I thinking think that would happen? No, I, I wasn't surprised. I mean, that was part of the selection process, you know. If they felt... If they felt the energy from him, or because he was out there sharing it already with them, that I felt, then we were going to get him on more good players because he 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 brings it. He brings that energy. I, I went with him a, a day recruiting. I was not on the log there. He was the focal point. He handled the room. He handled the media, the fans, the autographs, and then when he sat in the home, he was great with the mom and dad. The kid. I imagine that had to be a, a, a nice relief because you you you, know, you, you you invest so much in a you invest so much in a coach and then the staff and you yeah. think okay I want this to go well and then you actually see it and you, I imagine there's peace of mind that comes with that. Peace maybe. of mind. That's a good way to put it. That's a, hey, this is this is good. And he's got a staff around him that's very simple. I guess the, the way that he was able to organize things because you you talked about it there was kind of the. The one whammy was the fact that the, there was the early signing day and maybe the double whammy being the fact that he was wanting to, to stay true to his word and, and coach the kids where he was at Alabama and finish the season. And uh, the way he was able to handle all that, 
what were your impressions of that, being very able impressed. to kind of micromanage that? No, very, very impressed. You know, he had a good group of people here that were working and doing, and, you know, when his, in his free time, he would, you know, communicate and everything, not taking away from what he had to do there, but uh, he, uh, he actually said it, you know, a lot of his mindset was on what was happening in, in Knoxville, so he balanced that extremely well. That was discussed on the front end. I admire the fact that he wanted to finish what he started with those kids. You know, it was the right thing to do if 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 he, if, if he wanted to. If he didn't want to, it would have been okay too. I actually sent him a text after the first win over Clemson. I said, "Congratulations, dot dot dot, darn it!" You know, because <laughs> I wished I wanted him back here, but I was. We got lots of publicity out of that, and that that helped Tennessee. And when he walked into the home, those kids knew who he was. Tennessee coach that just won a national championship. I guess the, the last thing I had is just wondering, you know, you talk about, you know, it, it kind of takes a village nowadays, and it always has with a football program because you got so many more athletes than, than other sports do. But when you look at the number of support staff, the number of, of assistants and quality controls and all that, it just seems like it's a – I think I started covering this business around 2000 or so, and it seems like since then there's been a lot – there's just been swelling almost to those staffs, and I'm wondering, do you think that's a good thing, or are there are there some concerns on your end of how many people need to be around? Yeah, no. Um, I think with uh, the model that, that that Alabama has done, and people around the country, not just in the southeast, are, are following that model, uh, and the television dollars that are out there that makes it affordable to be able to do that better than we used to would have been able to do, particularly SEC network you know, dollars. Uh, I think also the autonomy that has come from the, uh, from the athletes being a part of the NCAA and putting their input, you know, there's you know, the, the nutrition. I mean, a lot of that came from, from the athletes themselves. Uh, that, you know, it's, it's made it a, a bigger uh, obligation to them. Required more people. Now, can you get too many? You know, Jeremy. One of the things he felt like, uh, you know, is we don't want to get too many. You know, you want to make sure you hire good people, hold them accountable. And, uh, I like that. You know. So I guess it's one of those things that if if others are doing it, it's helping them win. You got to stay up with the times, but but maybe just keep an eye on making sure the thing doesn't get too kind of too right. big. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's all I had. Yeah. Thank you. Well, there you go, y'all. That was Tennessee Athletic Director Philip Fulmer. We'll, we'll get used to saying that pretty soon. Tennessee Athletic Director Philip Fulmer. Hope y'all enjoyed listening to the show, guys. Uh, we had a we had a lot to talk about there in that interview. Tried to maximize the time as best we could, and I think we got I think we got a lot out of that. So that's that's good to go. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back uh, later in the week. Obviously, we'll have a National Signing Day to wrap up. We'll have a lot of Tennessee basketball to discuss too. And, you know, Tennessee baseball starts relatively soon also, so we'll, we'll be adding some of that stuff to the podcast. So we got tons of stuff coming up. Obviously, GoVols247.com, the place you need to be throughout National Signing Day and beyond because, you know, this Tennessee signing class is going to be pretty solid, this one. But I think that, that signing class the next year, I think that's where you're going to see Pruitt and those guys really – really get into it with some of the very very best players in the country so lots to lots to talk about spring practice is not far around the corner 
You guys, if you don't subscribe to GoVols247.com, what are you doing? To quote Derek Dooley Esquire, guys, what are we doing? What are we doing, guys? Don't disappoint Derek Dooley. Listen to the GoVols247 podcast and subscribe to GoVols247.com. See y'all later in the week.